방탄은 처음이지. Welcome to First Time with BTS. I'm Natalie. And I'm Yadi. When we took a poll literally months ago, we noticed a lot of people were interested in hearing us speak on the phenomenon of shipping. So here we are. It's a very big and dividing topic. Either you are okay with it or you're not. But it's an opportunity for people to explore love, male friendship, and intimacy at large without being explicitly fetishistic. Shipping obviously is convoluted and tricky, and we're not exactly interested in making call-out statements about what is harmful and what is problematic. But at the same time, projecting romance onto the members of BTS is something we are not interested in doing. However, we are definitely always on board to discuss the members and who they are to us. It's a fun conversation to have as a fan because it's practically impossible not to notice prevailing character traits over time. And if we're still here after all these years, it's because we admire them as people too. In our show, we don't really talk about the members as people and the bonds that the members have with one another, but we have thoughts. So in this episode, we are going to explore member pairings and what it means when applied to BTS, and also take it as an opportunity to share our thoughts on the members and their roles in the group, their friendships, if you will. And at the end, we'll share our thoughts on fanfiction. If you ask Wikipedia, shipping can be defined as an exploration of a relationship between two or more characters and people. Shipping is a phenomenon that happens pretty much within every fandom, whether it be for a book, a movie, a TV show, a band, etc. At its core, shipping is part of the fandom experience in the sense that it allows a fan to zero in on a pair or group of members, which I suppose makes sense when you're following a multi-person act or cast. In the case of BTS, thinking of them as a single unit can eventually get impersonal. If a character or person is a part of what lures you into standing something, it makes sense to want to explore the relationship between said character or person and others. Examples of this include shipping occurring within the Marvel Universe, Sherlock series, or One Direction. People don't just stand for the plot or music, they stand for the personalities that are being portrayed and or sold. It's like a humanistic approach to appreciating something. In that way, shipping is like a creative enterprise where people can essentially continue adding to the canon and exploring the depths of the characters and the worlds built for them. But what happens when it's not fictional? When the world of the people we are looking into is also our world? Obviously, such is the case for BTS shipping, because these guys are not existing in a fictional plane and are very much real. But this doesn't stop shipping from occurring. If you were to go on YouTube and look up BTS ships, The highest viewed videos are all introduction guides. It's a huge part of the online fandom experience, enough for these intro videos to even be created in the first place. As with any other fandom, these ships come with their own names, which are a combination of the names of the two people being paired. There's Taekook, Jaekook, Minjoon, Namgi, Taegi, you get the idea. There's even a ship name created by BTS themselves, the iconic Soap, the pairing of Suga and J-Hope. And now recently we even have Vope, the pairing of Taehyung and Hoseok. Shipping is also a way for people to relate to the members. By making observations on behavior and what the members seem to like and dislike, we're essentially making them more knowable, which is ultimately a major plus when you're trying to feel closer to the group. This can also be seen as a general goal of K-pop entertainment companies, which is to make idols seem as charming and lovable as possible so you continue standing the groups. Because of this, there is a lot of content out there to study and learn from, whether it be interviews, variety shows, live streams on VLive, concert footage, and behind-the-scenes clips, these are all opportunities to learn about who the members are as people. In the case of BTS specifically, we are given member personality profiles with seasonal content. 
during festa, muster, or in season's greetings packages, we're given more insight into who the members are. And now we'd like to take the time to talk about member pairings in BTS. After being exposed to all this material for a few years, it's safe to say that we've become acquainted with BTS and the different bonds between members. The easiest members to work off of are the members that are more outspoken or at the center of attention. When we first got into BTS in 2015, we saw a lot of characterizations of the younger members, Jimin, Jungkook, and Taehyung, since they were essentially the most active. For me, it was seeing the friendship between Taehyung and Jimin that actually enticed me to look into BTS not just as musicians and performers, but as people that are, well, lovable. I'm thinking specifically about their Saturi lives where they spoke about the different dialects in Korea. That was to me the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like it was adorable. Their, their bond and just how comfortable they were with each other and all the little jokes that they would pull in front of the camera made me feel like, oh wow, these are not just like performers and musicians, these are people who are also friends. You also would have the really sweet Twitter post that Taehyung would make about Jimin and of course there's the iconic uh, now deleted, I think, Twitter post from 2014 where Taehyung supposedly got drunk. Oh yeah, <laughs> and was and, like, like hugged Jimin's plushie. Mm-hmm. Truly iconic. There's also, do you remember the one uh, where Tae was bored and waiting for Jimin to come home, so he like threatened Jimin's oh, plushie <laughs> and like put it between uh, a coat hanger <laughs> <laughs> and like with a, had a marker on it, like holding it hostage. Uh, classic friendship goals, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of sweet moments between them that I think carry on till today. Thinking also of like the Bon Voyage letter that Taehyung oh, wrote yeah. to Jimin where he cried while he was reading it out loud. Mm -hmm. They're also known in, within the fandom as soulmates, which mm -hmm. I feel like started off very early into BTS's career. Just their bond being so, I guess, visible in a way that the other quote-unquote ships haven't been since the beginning. Going away from Vimin, when I first became a fan of BTS, the Bangtang bombs helped me a lot too. I remember some of the first ones I watched were um, the one where Hobie and Jimin are dancing to Exids up and down and Namjoon joins in. I'm also thinking of the backstage video where they're practicing to It's Tricky by Run DMC for that stage they did. There are so many short videos back in the day that were just very, very cute and just showed them being very playful and silly um, regardless of who was on camera. So I think those really helped me kind of get a better sense of who the members were. And how they act backstage. Yeah, just like their friendships, Which literally. Is, I suppose the, the purpose too of the Bangtan bombs is to, I don't know why they're called bombs, maybe that's, you know, to explode into our lives and change things up a little bit. But to me, the point of the Bangtan bomb is to give us a glimpse into who BTS are as people when they're not on stage. Within the last year, the YouTube account Squishy Min Yoongi has really helped me notice bonds that I probably wouldn't notice before. She has a lot of uh, profiles on each member that include the friendship between every other member. They drew my attention to some, I guess, bonds or member pairings that I just never really paid attention to, like, like Namjoon and Jin, for example, or even Hosok and Jungkook. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely a case to be made when you see all these clips that you've already seen before over the last few years, uh, basically edited together and compiled because it has you seeing all these moments within, you know, a two 
to 10 minute time frame and you're like oh wow i didn't realize all these moments existed and i didn't realize that there was an overarching trait within this friendship and it's what makes these videos so special is that it focuses your attention on things you weren't focusing on in the past yeah these compilation videos are really helpful and they can also help you trace how a member has changed over time or maybe how their on-camera personality has changed over time. I'm thinking specifically of Yoongi. Uh, if you were around in like the earlier days of the fandom, the like sweet, lovable, very outwardly caring person you see today was not the person that Yoongi was maybe back in 2014, 2015. That's not to say that he was necessarily cold, but the quote-unquote soft person you see today uh, it's definitely a newer development. Yeah. I'm thinking specifically too of that video. I think it's a Bangtan bomb where he's sleeping and then whoever has a camera in his hand uh, moves closer to Yoongi and essentially wakes him up and he curses. <laughs> like His initial reaction upon waking up is to curse at the camera. <laughs> and I think little instances like that helped create this image of him as like a, a more reserved and even maybe cold Person. Yeah, I feel like back then you knew Yoongi wasn't like a jerk, but you knew that he was a jerk to be funny. Like that that was his sense of humor was to be kind of like short. He'll take jabs at the members to be funny, but it's different now. Yeah, he's become a lot more affectionate, which is part of the reason why the Taegi ship, which is Taeyang and Yoongi, is one of my favorites. Just because it's, to me, it seems kind of like a unexpected one. Yoongi, you know, like we mentioned before, he started off being a more reserved member and now he does this thing where he holds a member's hands when he's mad and there's all these instances where he holds specifically Taeyang's hand and to me that's just very sweet. It's nice to see like men be affectionate towards each other. Especially when we're coming from America and we're coming from our, you know, Latinx community it means a lot to us to see these like outward displays of affection be very normal and uh, welcomed. Yeah, and they're also both from Daegu, but they have very unique personalities. And so for me, when I see you know their displays of love on camera, I get really happy. Another person whose personality has very visibly changed throughout the course of BTS's career is Namjoon. And it's a fairly recent development too, uh, because when we started standing BTS back in 2015, Namjoon was still kind of a closed off. One dimensional, I would say. He definitely put up a type of front that I think made him come across as a little mean at times. And these are things that he, you know, in the beginning of 2016 started to kind of address during the fan cafe like these are things that he's outwardly spoken about that he you know was a very um closed off person and was holding a lot of resentment and anger that he was essentially working on throughout all of 2016 and now you know the fan cafe posts where he's very reflective are common when he started posting those i was like who is this i remember being so shocked at the vulnerability that he essentially put out within these fan cafe posts because he was admitting to being a flawed person and also admitting that he's trying to work through his problems that he hasn't really gotten to that end goal of like being fixed and being fine and feeling good and to me as somebody who was you know 20 something year old also going through my own issues i was so impressed by that it definitely impacted me as it was happening 
because of him working on himself now the namjoon we have today is a much more comfortable person much more confident you know he's not necessarily afraid of being affectionate or being goofy and sweet and cute in a way that 2013 to 2015 namjoon would not be I mean, I remember, I wasn't around in 2013, but I remember it was a big deal when fans saw Namjoon without his sunglasses on for the first time. Like, I remember that reveal was a big deal. And I think that says a lot. <laughs> says a lot, for sure. <laughs> you know? Uh, a glow up I think that is definitely worth mentioning is Jin and the rise of his ego. <laughs> it, we mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, because Jin also was another member uh up until fire he was also kind of you know i mean i remember these like personality traits that are now uh, i guess a staple of these members were obviously present like back in the day and before um these moments that we're talking about but pre-fire i feel like Jin was very reserved and shy and obviously you know jokey but within the fandom when fire came out Jin stole the show. I remember me myself being like, oh my god, like this man is very attractive in a way that I didn't realize he was before. I don't know if it was him going blonde, I don't know if it was puberty, but whatever it was, he definitely started owning his good looks to the point where, you know, it's now a part of his personality to be... And it goes without question that he's a handsome member. And that he knows it. For sure. And then, of course, after that era, you have in 2017, the rise of the worldwide handsome term, which he coined himself. Yeah. <laughs> to be part of like the the best yeah. thing of his narrative. I remember is his confidence. Yeah. What it was before that too was um I think during the BBMAs too was the third guy from the left. Because oh, everyone yeah. on Twitter was like, who's the third guy from the left? And then he like owned that. And the car door guy, because he sure. opened the door for someone. And then he trended <laughs> on like all internet search engines <laughs> for opening a door. That's legend behavior. Uh, it's been such a joy to watch him become so confident to the point that it's almost obnoxious, but it's not because it's Jin. <laughs> and part of him being comfortable with himself, like going back to ships, I want to say, is his relationship to Jungkook. I feel like since the very beginning, Jungkook has gotten a lot of attention. He's the golden magnate. He's the youngest. With Jin coming out of his shell, you have, you know, an increase in how we see and view his relationship with Jungkook, which is, I think, one of my favorites as well. Because, you know, he's the oldest, Jungkook is the youngest, and yet they act the same age. Yeah. <laughs> Their levels of energy and chaos are literally equal. And, you know, watching that as a fan is a lot of fun. So the last friendship we want to talk about is Soap, uh, Yoongi and J-Hope. I think this one is so fun because it's something that happened, I think, overtly. And it happened, like, kind of late in BTS's career, like the first V-Live that they did together and um, did the whole like market bit where they opened the door was back in 2015 and the friendship only blossomed from there. And I think it's also the only pairing that's taken to the stage <laughs> with um, their performance of Otsukare, which is again, iconic. Part of what makes that ship so fun is that they constantly are referring to themselves and they even had a V-Life series. It brings me back to V-Men and their previous V-Life series that we used to love. They also had custom 
tracksuits made, which is hilarious. It just extends it into so much with them performing on stage to them having their own outfits. Like it was so, it was so legitimate and performative, but also genuine that it just made me fall in love with BTS that much more. It did come about when I was in the early stages of being a fan. So I think how Vimin attracted you, Soap attracted me. But yeah, all these characterizations and personality traits that we've just walked through, it's interesting to consider them because there are a lot more standardized characterizations coming from news outlets like MTV and Vogue. Whereas when we were starting off, we got these observations from the actual source material, which is the behind the scenes footage, etc. But now I guess newer fans, they don't have to do that much research. All they could do is just read an article. And it's become a lot more standardized and readily accessible. It's interesting to think about it though because it makes sense to assume that these outlets are getting these facts from fandom compilation videos or from just people who are researching on the internet how the fans are reacting to BTS. So it's almost like an interesting feedback loop where like the fans are getting this content from BTS, Vogue is getting the content from, from the, the fans. fans, and the fans are now getting the content from Vogue. So it's just it's fun to think about how things are changing now that BTS are vastly more popular than they were back in 2015. Okay, back to shipping. Depending on who you are, it can take on a romantic form. What we get from the world of shipping are compilation videos, ship names, and of course, fan fiction, otherwise known as fic. It's a nearly unavoidable product of shipping. Some people love and consume it, other people deplore it. So what is fan fiction? The literal definition is fiction written by a fan of and featuring characters from a particular TV series, movie, franchise, etc. There's fan fiction for all fandoms. However, the wider trend within fic is to focus on queer romantic relationships between canonically heterosexual characters. As a creative platform, it has never-ending potential. Having base material to work off of allows for so many different iterations of the work to be created and expanded upon, and for different genres to be explored, otherwise known as AUs or alternate universes. You can have supernatural AUs, mafia AUs, soulmate AUs, the list goes on. Uh, and fanfiction is interesting because there is the potential for these works to be better than the original work. Back in the day, aka high school, I was a fan of the TV series Supernatural. And if you were on Tumblr from 2010 to 2013, you also were a fan of Supernatural. <laughs> Even me, yeah, I wasn't a fan of Supernatural, but I knew all those people's names. Yeah. I knew all the ships. <laughs> I knew some people were angels. Yep. Some were wolves. No? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I knew some people were angels. <laughs> Point is, I was very heavily involved in the fandom and I read the fan fiction that came out of it. And there was one fan fiction known as Redemption Road that essentially wrote a series finale for the show and like the chapters were released as if they were TV episodes. So it was a really interesting story to read and um, if you were a fan of Supernatural at the time, you know that the show kind of kind of collapsed in on itself. There was just a lot of problems with it. So this story served as like the perfect ending to the show. And it's just a cool instance where this work of fiction completely outside of the production team surrounding Supernatural created something that was better than the show itself. 
I do want to note though that Supernatural obviously was a fictional TV series and in the case of this episode we are discussing BTS. Yes, it's a tricky gray area because it's almost every case that fan fiction is romantic and at times sexual. So in the case of BTS, real people are being written about in sexual situations. It can get into the topic of celebrity privacy. What's off limits? Where is the line drawn? Is it creepy to write about real people? using their personality traits, flaws, and appearances, acting in a way that they don't in real life. What are the repercussions of using these people as characters when we don't know their sexuality? I will say though, the fandom is aware of these potential problems. I know that to circumvent that, some creators on Twitter have gone to the lengths of blocking the official BTS Twitter account. So in that sense, they're preventing the members through their account viewing their content. Or if not blocking, you'll definitely see like underneath a post of someone's work, fan fiction or even fan art, uh, they'll say like, do not tag BTS in this or just make it known that like they do not want the real BTS to be involved. And this is just like a work of art separate from them. And these people put in that effort to make sure BTS don't see it because there can be real life repercussions to online shipping. For sure, and I'm, of course, reminded of my days in the One Direction fandom. A specific case study could be the case of Larry. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is the ship for Louis Tomlinson and Harry Styles, the members of One Direction. This is a perfect example of a ship that kind of imploded on itself. It started off essentially with fans making observations on the two members' friendship. And it escalated, you know, and went into the world of fan fiction, but then it escalated into conspiracy theories and even harassment of who was then Louis' in real life girlfriend. And it got really, really disturbing to the point where the members in real life kind of got uh, pulled apart. And then post the members going off into their solo careers, there have been instances where the members address this and express how uncomfortable they were by all of this, all of these things that they were seeing online, which to me is baffling like the the fourth wall has been crumbled Mm -hmm. but the idea here is that this won't happen with bts that people are learning from their mistakes and are going to the lengths of blocking the members that is definitely a case of a negative side effect of shipping and fan fiction but on the other hand there are some positive things to say about it we mentioned already that fan fiction more often than not is romantic and can be sexually explicit I think it's also important to note that the majority of these authors are women and young women and fan fiction then has the potential to provide these young women writing it and also the you know primary consumer of fan fiction which is also young women reading it to explore sexuality in a safe way. And of course, it also allows for fans to be creative and productive with their fandom experience, which is just another way for people to be brought together and to find a sense of community in standing anything, and in this case, standing BTS. But on the other other hand, because the... You have three hands. (laughs) (laughs) On my third hand, though, because these authors can oftentimes be younger Uh, women or people, the way that they write these sexually explicit stories can often be portrayed um, problematically or in a way that is not really reflective of real life. 
And in that sense, it's perpetuating negative ideals about sex and sexuality onto others. And I'm thinking specifically of portrayals of safe sex, um, issues of consent, things along those lines that kind of get muddled or are completely thrown out the window and done incorrectly in these fics. Um, I actually have had a negative experience <laughs> trying to uh, call someone out. You're not even, I would, I saw the message. You weren't even calling the person out. You were educating. You yeah. were doing them a favor by... Uh, letting them know something. Yeah. Um, this is back in Tumblr before we were on Twitter. There, I mean, if you're in the fandom and you were on Tumblr, I'm sure you've seen these accounts that are dedicated to um, reactions, like these imaginary reactions BTS would have. So, you know, it can be like, oh, BTS reacting to you being their girlfriend. BTS reacting to you, I don't know, like wearing a skirt. If you were scrolling on Tumblr, like you've seen them. And there was a specific user whose account was dedicated to being a bit more explicit and a bit more raunchy. I don't want to get too into it, but basically it was like a post that normalized domestic abuse. And I messaged her explaining why that obviously is not okay to post it as something that is not a problem. That's how it was being portrayed as something very normal. So I messaged them and was like, hey, like, this is a problem. And they were so rude to me. I mean, it was just the rudest, most it was aggressive. Dare I say barbaric. <laughs> the tone. <laughs> awful. It was awful. Just completely shutting me down, telling, you know, just like the classic thing you would expect from like an old man <laughs> this like a young person like was, an old racist old man yeah it was just coming for me it was crazy but you know that's all to say that like that we should be a little wary uh, yeah of the content that we consume especially if you're younger that was a big reason why i reached out to them because i knew they had a large fan base and that a lot of their fan base was younger like, you could tell from the comments and the replies that the people following that, that account were young teenagers. So I was like, no, I don't want people to see this and think this is okay because they're so young, they don't know what's right or what's wrong. So yeah, that's all to say that there are definitely, there's two sides to that coin of, you know, um, writing this sexual content. It could be a good thing, it can be a bad thing, but it's definitely a thing. That's deep, Nat. Thank you. <laughs> Right, so despite all of these potential problems, there are instances where K-pop as an industry pretty much reinforces shipping because they know it sells. We see it in the language, in the visual concepts, music videos, and the variety show games, where you'll see the guys playing games that essentially set them up for physical intimacy like kissing. I'm thinking specifically of the pepero kiss mm -hmm. thing where they put like a stick of chocolate between their mouths and then they have to bite at it until they're very, very close to each other. Mm -hmm. Or the game where they're passing like a piece of paper between their mouths. And it can't fall or also kiss. I mean, yeah, and this is even outside of BTS and even boy groups. Um, this is a thing with girl groups too. This idea of like, you know, putting them in situations where they may kiss on the mouth. I also think companies choosing to make these things like homoerotic is like a less overt way of selling idols as sexual beings. Because they're saying that no, they'd never be with someone of the other sex because they are pure, but they are capable of being sexual. Yeah, exactly. It, like they're playing with a very gray area of what is, you know, normalized physical intimacy and what becomes sexual. Yep. 
And in the case of BTS, you know, we see this in variety shows, but we also see this in like the content that BTS produce. I think the biggest instance is, you know, the entirety of Wings, but also <laughs> but specifically in BTS's 2016 Mama stage when they perform Blood, Sweat and Tears. If you remember the performance I'm speaking of, there's a moment where Taehyung gets behind Jin and handles them in a way that can only be interpreted as sexual. There's no other way for that to be seen. A brotherly thing. No, <laughs> yeah. no, it was very erotic. But we do talk about the performance in the Wings episode because there literally and truly is a lot to unpack. Uh, so look forward to that or refer to that episode. Um, I also wanted to mention, so this homoeroticism happens, of course, in Wings, but it also happens before in the most beautiful moment in life series or yes i was gonna call it an era but it, it's it's continued into present day yeah it's definitely to a lesser degree i would say it's more falling in the realms of just member pairings and big hit does play into the idea of putting two members together in the you know visual components of the most beautiful moment in life era or even in the notes too there's a lot of very specific pairings like namjoon and taehyung jimin and j-hope yoongi and jungkook they definitely create their own pairings for these you know characters bts portraying themselves as characters that i think it's interesting i think it's a very little self-aware thing to do yeah and it also shows that there's potential in like once you put these two members together that becomes essentially like a breeding ground for content for mm -hmm. narrative and big hit are very aware of that and they use that to their advantage to create this fictional universe you see in the webtoon that came out this year where you see an exploration of the most beautiful moment in life universe. So yeah, it's therefore safe to say that the industry essentially acknowledges that fetishization does happen and that it is profitable. Now, what does that mean when we live in a global society that doesn't accept gay people? Who knows? It's not I. Yeah, it's not really um, what this podcast is out to explore. We just wanted to like put that out there to give context. Yeah, and to put it as neutrally as possible, it's interesting. In conclusion, we love the BTS members. Other fans clearly do too. How we show our love for their personalities is part of what makes being a fan so entertaining. Content creation can be really cool, including the content made for each pairing. The key is to remember that fiction is fiction. And that's all we have to say about that. This has been our episode on member pairings, on shipping, and on fan fiction. We hope you enjoyed. And we hope the people who answered our poll from literally seven months ago uh, are satisfied. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Always feel free to comment on our post, engage with us. Give us any thoughts you have on it. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Bangtime Podcast. And if you want to show us some love, we're also on Kofi, Coffee, the website where you can give us money so we can buy coffee. Spelled with a K and then an O and then an F and then an I. Yes. Dot com. Yes. <laughs> There's a hyphen. The, oh, really? Oh, that I said that wrong. <laughs> there's a K, there's an O, there's a hyphen, there's an F, there's an I dot com. Perfect. Feed our coffee addiction, but most likely you will be paying for our SoundCloud subscription. Yes. Yeah, hope y'all are doing, doing well out there in Armyville. Thank you for listening. And see you next time. Bye. Bye.